If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another listener episode. Today, I am talking to Steph, who is 33. She lives in London, and we are talking about her breakup that happened a year and a half ago from the time of the recording. They were together for six years. We talk about her relationship, of course, and how she had essentially been in relationships from 18 to 32 and what it was like leaving that. We talk about the huge change she made right after the breakup of moving from Berlin to London, changing jobs, and just the whiplash of how of that created. We talk about the extra weight that it feels like getting going through a breakup in in your 30s where you really pictured spending the rest of your life with this person. We talk about how she was able to to rediscover herself and and how she feels so powerful and empowered in how she navigated her breakup and how she plans on carrying that forward. We also talk about the how two things can be true at the same time, whether that's in a relationship. There was beautiful times in her relationship and also some toxicity and how those can both coexist. We talk about her year and a half since the breakup have been extremely tough, some of the worst pain she's ever experienced, but she's also blossomed at the same time. So I loved this conversation with Steph. So grateful that she came on to to share her story. Welcome, Steph, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Hi, Kendra. How are you? Good, good. I'm so happy to have you on. And, and I'm always so grateful to people that want to come on for the listener episodes because I know it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do to talk about the breakup, so I'm always just so grateful. Can you start off by just telling us a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. My name is Steph. I live in London, but I grew up all over the world. I, yeah, I've grown up in about eight or nine different countries, so I move around a lot. So I moved to London as kind of as a result of this breakup, actually, which is part of the story. And I'm 33, which is hard to admit and say out loud, actually, because since the pandemic, I felt like I was just shoved into my 30s. But now I'm 33. And I work in the music industry. And yeah, amazing. Summary. We're about the same age. I'm, I will be turning 33 soon. So I do feel like that because I the pandemic hit 
or no, a year before my 30th birthday. So, but I feel like my 30th birthday just got like blown over. So yeah, exactly. My 30th and my 31st were both in lockdowns. So they almost like just didn't exist. Yeah. So I felt like, yeah, when I came out of the pandemic, all of a sudden I was like in my thirties and that was a bit shocking. It was such a time warp that time. So, so can you tell us a little bit about the relationship? You don't have to get into too much detail, but where you guys met, how long you were together, what was the relationship like in general? Yeah. So we met actually in our early twenties, but I was dating someone else at the time and we met in London and he was living in Berlin. And there was an instant connection. We spent the night talking, but I was in a relationship, so we didn't pursue it. And then two years later, I left that relationship and then went to visit Berlin, where my twin brother lived at the time. And him and I just like hit it off, fireworks, sparks, and started dating immediately. And we did one year long distance between London and Berlin. I think at this stage, I'm like 25. And then after that year, I moved over to Berlin to be with him. And also it was a city I always wanted to live in. So I just used the opportunity to do both things. And yeah, we were together overall six years. And I have to say it was, you know, especially the first few years, some of the most beautiful, adventurous experiences of my life. I've never been in a partnership like that committed. And we built a home together. And we really called each other's like, you know, life partner, I was expecting this guy to be the one and the father of my kids. And that's partly why this breakup really, you know, hit so badly, because that guy that you date, you know, on the cusp of turning 30, I think a lot of us think like, okay, this is the one now I'm going to lock this one down. So when that one doesn't work out, it's kind of a bit of a loss of innocence. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I feel like breakups into 30s they just i think they carry more weight especially for women obviously because you know if we want to have kids and all of that it does it feels just those breakups can carry a lot of extra weight with them and a lot more impact so you mentioned the first few years were really good was there a point that things kind of turned a little bit it's hard to say i mean to be honest there was goodness all the way to the end and there was also toxicity all the way throughout i mean if there's one thing that this relationship taught me it's like a lot of truths can exist at the same time yeah we were very close but the relationship also was codependent 100 i did not have a low self-esteem he had somewhat inflated self-esteem and these two things attracted i think each other and also clashed I didn't know who I was when I was with him. And I was just so impressed with his knowledge of his self that I, you know, I was like almost infatuated with him for so long. But then at the same time, I wasn't able to discover who I was in the confines of that relationship. So there was a lot of push and pull between us. Mm-hmm. And there was always tension. And there was always communication and friendship and shared values and a vision for the future. So it was very much both. It was just a very big experience. Yeah. And I love that, that there's like, there can be multiple truths at the same time. I think that's definitely a place that I hope everyone can get to from their breakup where they, I always tell people like, I think the goal of a breakup looking back is to be able to recognize that there were really, really beautiful times and really beautiful experiences within a relationship. But then you can also say, but there was also another side, you know, I think when people are either focused on all the good or just the bad, to me, I think they need to get a little further in their breakup, but being able to look at it objectively like that is, is a sign of, of all the healing work that, that you've done. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, in that relationship, I did some of my most profound healing with the support of that partner. You know, I got sober because I had a had a drinking problem in my 20s. And I dealt with an eating disorder and this and the love and partnership that came from him was, you know, uh, very important in all that healing. At the same time, this person and the breakdown has been the source of some of the greatest pain that I've ever felt. So it's really like, just both things at the same time. Yeah, it's not black and white. But that's life. I mean, you know, a lot of that is life is like, they can be responsible for some of the most beautiful memories, and then also the most intense pain. What started leading kind of walk me through the breakup process? Yeah, so we had these like underlying dynamics within the relationship. I moved to Berlin to be with him. And I had a hard time making my own life, like while slotting into his already existing life. So there was always a power imbalance. I didn't have a strong support network or group of friends. And I also struggled with my career because Berlin's amazing, but it's still the capital of Germany. And if you don't have fluent German, you're just not a candidate for all the jobs you want. So I had a hard time navigating that city. And while he was very cemented and settled, and that was one of the biggest resentments present. And so that kind of just kept breaking down and breaking down and, and kind of breaking us down over the years. And then I think things really started to take a turn for the worse in the last two years, which also coincided with the pandemic. I think around year three, the cracks were starting to show the honeymoon period was fading, but I didn't want to let go. Like I said, this was the love of my life. I'm almost 30. I'm not letting this go. And then the pandemic hit and we were holed up together in our apartment in Berlin. And actually the first year, there was a lot of beauty in the figuring it out and the peacefulness we found. But then the second year, I think what happened was like the realities and stressors of life just became too much because it was not just the second year of the pandemic. I was also going through multiple surgeries. Both of us were out of work. Life just got really, really heavy. And the way that we reacted to the stress was so different. You know, we couldn't really see each other. We couldn't understand each other. And I think it was also a lesson in the incompatibilities that were probably always present in the relationship, but were masked by the rose glasses and the honeymoon fun in the first few years. So when life hit and when life hit hard, that's when things broke down. And we literally broke up, I think on like the last, almost felt like the last day of the pandemic. We were in LA, I think trying to save our relationship with a trip, didn't work. And we broke up on a Tuesday in January. And then that same Thursday, in this in the same week i got offered a job in london and i just went like i i like just left my whole life in berlin and it was insane actually i was living in berlin for 5 years and i like packed up my stuff and moved out and didn't really say goodbye and just started a new life in london within 2 weeks of the breakup and it was an insane experience and then at the same time i started this new life the pandemic lifted so it was like someone turned the tv channel on my life it was insane it took so long for my body and my brain to catch up with each other i knew what i i was like physically somewhere else but my brain was still living in my old life and that the grieving process was immense what a wild experience to like yeah it's like you're existing on another planet all of a sudden i do want to go back to what you were saying though about your move to Berlin. And I think when we're enamored by a partner, which I think so many people go through and there is that power imbalance, I think it's a lot harder to seek out things on your own because I know for me in the past when I've been enamored by partners, I never want to miss out on time 
with them or, you know, things like that. So for me to like go out and make new friends or, or go out and do something that would mean potentially time away from my partner or anything like that. So I think it is really hard when you have that partner up on the pedestal. It's very hard to feel grounded in your own life. Yeah, 100%. He was on a pedestal for a long time and, you know, still is, still is sometimes. Yeah. And when I was 25, yeah, I had a really, I did not have a strong sense of self and I would often, yeah, put everything into my partners. I'd almost outsource my self-esteem to the boyfriends and I had, you know, great boyfriends. You know, I look back on all of them. I don't have bad things to say about most of my exes are great guys, but I would basically, it was like all my needs were being met by one person and I invested all my time and energy into that one person. And then my future was dependent on that person. My moods were dependent on the state of our relationship for validation from this person was so high. And yes, I was very triggered and triggerable at this stage in my life. You know, my emotional yeah. reactivity was, was, yeah, I didn't even have vocabulary for things like emotional reactivity. I just reacted, you know, these yeah. are things I've learned since. <laughs> so, yeah. And then yeah. I was going to say too, like, there's not a lot of 25 year olds that do have a strong sense of self, but I think when it is low like that, I remember the first time I heard outsourcing self-esteem and I was like, whoa, I know exactly what that feels like, but it is, it's yeah. like having it's scary not being in control of how you feel, you know, because it's like they have a bad day at work and like has nothing to do with you, but it feels like your mood is just ruined and all of a sudden you're insecure, feeling like you need to fix it or you need to, you know, make the situation better because they can't be the source of happiness for you right now. So it's not a pleasant way to live having your self-esteem rest in the hands of someone else. No, it's really not. And it's not sustainable. And, you know, the fun and adventure from that kind of relationship is really strong. Like I do understand the appeal and I'm not sure I could ever fall in love the same way again, which makes me a little sad sometimes. Like, I feel like I just know, I know too much now, but yeah, it, it wasn't healthy for sure. I knew it at the time. And I also knew throughout the whole relationship because I was so in love with this person and really infatuated with them, you know, I really thought so much about them and their dreams and their hopes and, and time with him. And and it really kind of almost felt like an infection in my mind, you know, and yeah. I just didn't have the headspace to think about myself and to touch base with who I was and what do I want and what makes me happy. And, and it wasn't on anything that he did. It was really just like that relationship at that time, it probably wasn't the right move. I probably needed some more time by myself to navigate things and figure out who I was. And I also always felt that tension when I was with him. And it's partly why I pushed him away was because I knew that I needed a few years alone before I entered the kind of like, you know, quote unquote, final relationship. We don't know what's going to happen with any relationship, but I just knew that I didn't know myself well enough to kind of get so enmeshed with someone else. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And that's, that's a question that people will ask sometimes it's this thing of can you do quote unquote the work in a relationship or does it need to take place outside of a relationship and it's so hard because I think it's depends so much like you got sober in this relationship so obviously there are times where people can get sober within relationships and then there are times where people have to leave relationships in order to get sober so I think it's so dependent upon the situation, the person. I know for people, I guess more speaking for myself, who has codependence 
tendencies. There have been times where I needed to be completely by myself to work on something. So I wasn't influenced by the other person. Even like I did EMDR therapy for about a year and a half with a therapist. And she actually had me do it with my eyes closed because she's like, you're the kind of person that depending on what I look like, you're going to change what you're saying. And I don't want you to do that. So you just need to close your eyes. And that's totally I'm so influenced by that kind of stuff. So I think it's just knowing yourself and and knowing what you need in that time. Yeah, for sure. And this breakup has been the kind of greatest exploration of myself that I've ever had in my adult life, because I was in relationships from 18 years old until 32 with pretty much no break. And if there was a break, it was like a year where I was partying and totally escaping myself. So Mm -hmm. this past year and a half has been the first time where I've really been like out in the world by myself. Who am I? What is my career? What matters to me? You know, and not being influenced by the vision of somebody else. And it's been really hard, to be honest. Like, yeah, it has been tough. (laughs) It's not easy work to do. So I do miss having the companion or the distraction sometimes of a relationship. It can just like soften the edges of life, you know, Mm -hmm. to just curl up in someone else and just give them your bad day. But I know that it's really important to learn how to, you know, comfort yourself on a bad day. It's because it's the kind of work that will be with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I look at, you know, being in a long-term partnership now, you know, there, and we have a a toddler, it's like, there are times where I, I have to, you know, self-soothe myself and don't, you know, husband's working late. And I, you know, it's like those skills that we learn single are just so invaluable later on and regardless of relationship status or anything like that. I do want to go back to the beginning of the breakup. So basically you're living in Berlin, you break, you go through a breakup two weeks later, you're starting a new job in London pandemics over. Do you feel like the grief hit you right away? Or do you feel like you had so much going on that it took a little time for it to actually register like what just happened it was it was crazy it was partly it was insane I lost so much weight I was just running on adrenaline your nervous system was probably fried totally fried yeah I mean all my summer dresses fit really well in that stage of life but yeah it wasn't healthy weight loss yeah it was partly really exciting because here I was kind of catapulted in a new life and And I was really excited to have a change because by the end of that relationship, I was deeply depressed, stressed. I was quite isolated. I didn't have a lot of friends. I just wasn't living in flow with life. And I knew I wasn't living as my best self. And even the way I was treating him towards the end, I felt a lot of regret over. I think I had so much built up resentment that the anger was kind of just like uncontrollable by the end. So I was really excited to start fresh and um, make friends and start something new. And it was, it was quite joyful in many ways, but yeah, the grief didn't hit me for a long time. I was in denial probably of us. I thought we were going to get back together for a really long time, honestly, because we got, we were together for so long and this was the, this was the one, and this was like our first breakup. So I thought, okay, We'll just take like a lot of space and do our thing for a bit. We spent every day together in the pandemic. This is my person. We will find our way back to each other. We just need a break. So I lived with a lot of denial for a long time. 
and the process of acceptance of like truly accepting that this person's not coming back. It took me a really long time and it happened in small bits and pieces. And the grief, the grief was with me for the better part of a year, like the hard parts of grief was with was with me and I went through all of the stages and in the beginning I would schedule like hours after work to cry because I was so busy looking for a new house and starting a new job and and you know kind of connecting with people I was so busy and then I would cry um in the evening after work and then over time the tears turned into a depression which actually was quite quite a strong one like in the winter of last year I really fell into a pretty bad depression, the body, the mind, everything slowed down. And um, yeah, I went through all the stages of grief. And I just I also just like responded to it by knowledge. I mean, it's like I listened to every episode of your podcast. And it was so helpful. It really was so helpful, your podcast. And every time I would hear the theme music, it was like a source of comfort that I was like, okay, someone out there does understand what I'm going through. Because heartbreak does feel so alienating and isolating when you're in it and other people around you aren't in it. They don't understand it. And you feel really alone with these super intense emotions. And your friends and family can have the best of intentions, but they often say things like, just move on already. And you're like, man, if I could just move on already, you think I I I wouldn't? Like, this like, is I'm horrible. This is enjoying this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is hell on earth. And I just have to pretend like I, that I'm not dying inside, you know? Yeah. So yeah, the grief hit me later and it came in a lot of stages and the letting go came in a lot of little, little moments as well. It, it, it didn't like wake up one day and it was done. It was like over time, the pain got a little bit less and less. Um, and it still shows up sometimes. And I think that's something I want to let people know or comfort people is that this really can take a lot of time, you know, especially if it's an impactful relationship that like, you know, part really affected who you are, or was someone you thought was forever, you know, you don't have to be over it in six months, these things can take, they can take years to really process, you know, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is so important to share your thoughts and feelings while going through a breakup, especially if it's something you're feeling any guilt or shame around. I know whenever I'm struggling with a certain thought or situation and I keep it to myself, it gets heavier and heavier and feels harder and harder to manage. I truly believe we are as sick as our secrets. Therapy has always been a safe space for me to have a judgment-free zone to get things off my chest. Whether it's something from my past, a current struggle, or something I'm anxious about in the future, I always feel lighter when I'm able to share something that feels scary. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. If you are a listener of this podcast, you know I warn about how your phone can either be a great tool or a huge obstacle when it comes to getting over your breakup. Instead of spending time on your phone trying to figure out what your ex is up to, why not spend some time engaging in a super fun mystery game that will help take your mind off your breakup? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. 
I am such a big mystery and puzzle fan, so this game has been so fun for me to get into. When I'm looking for a little escape from reality during the day or a way to relax that doesn't involve social media, it's been so fun to use my brain in a new way by diving into Joom's captivating quest and engaging my sense of observation to find the hidden clues. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The last time I went through a breakup, I know my mom was someone I was really able to lean on and get support from. She has always been a rock for me through heartbreak and everything in between. And with Mother's Day right around the corner, I wanted to share an idea of something super special that you can gift to your mom. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Every week, they will email your mom a question, and she can either type out an answer or record one. And at the end, mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book, and they can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. I gifted my mom this, and it means so much to me that I can not only learn so many of her stories, but also preserve them for my kids and future generations. My mom has already talked about how fun it's been for her to reflect on her past and think about things that she hasn't in so long. It even prompted her to dig up some old photos from when she was in the newspaper for being the only female mail carrier in Detroit in the 60s. So cool. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code HEARTBREAK at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code HEARTBREAK for 10% off today. And that's okay. And like going back to what we were talking about, your relationship, two truths can coexist at one time too, because I would venture to assume that you had some really beautiful experiences within this healing time while also going through, you know, you started a new job, you were reconnecting with friends. Like there can be both these truths where you can, it's not just you're struggling or you're better. It's not this binary thing that we have to exist in. And I think that's why people get so scared when they hear things like it can take a year or they get really freaked out. But then if you look back, you realize it's not like you were suffering the entire time. It was, there was these beautiful experiences also, you know, and then there's this intermittent sadness, pain, depression. No, for sure. And this past year and a half, I've blossomed in many ways. Nobody who's looked at my Instagram has seen any suffering. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's just been travel and job opportunities. And I found a groove in my career and I made so many friends and I reconnected with old friends and everything I kind of wished for when I was in the, you know, the darker moments of the relationship when I was feeling isolated and, and stuff, everything did on, in many ways come true because of the end of that relationship. And I think it was just so much growth and growth is not comfortable. It's not all good or, or all bad. It's everything all day and everything in between. And it's only now I look back and I see what I've been through. Yeah. I kind of can't believe everything that's happened since we broke up. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the acceptance happening And I love that you said, like, I thought we were going to get back together for a long time. I think that's, first of all, extremely common. And I think if people aren't saying it, I think it's just because they're not really admitting it. But I think most people want to get back together with their ex at some point. And just because you want to get back together with your ex doesn't mean that you have to not move forward. You can still move forward and have that hope. But I do think acceptance happens in little bits and pieces. Was there anything that you were doing that helped with that? Yeah. I mean, him and I went no contact immediately, a little bit too early, I would argue, because some of our loose ends of our life together weren't tied up and still aren't tied up. So yeah, some things like we had a house together that wasn't fairly split up and stuff. So 
but we did go no contact immediately. I reached out a couple times to ask to talk. He refused both times. So that last conversation we had was the last conversation we ever had. There's not been one text message, not one conversation. There was a couple of emails into that formal, horrible post breakup tone yeah. <laughs> where you're like the talking accountant, to a lawyer the accountant a tone. Yeah. 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 Horrible. I think that's worse, honestly, than talking is talking yeah. to a robot that you once shared your bed with. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had no contact at all. That definitely, and in the beginning, I'm not going to lie, like my uh, intention with no contact was to get him back. Because if you watch the YouTube videos, they say how to get your ex back, you no contact, right? So I was doing it with that intention at the start. And then over time, and your podcast helped with that as well, was learning that no contact is so important. It's just so important because like you said, you have to move forward anyway. So even if you want to get back with your ex, you can't go back to that same relationship and you don't want to go back to that same relationship. That's so even point. if your no contact is framed in a way of getting someone back, fine, so be it. But keep moving on and keep moving forward because even if you want to get back within the future, you're better off getting back together as like new, improved, actual, evolved versions of yourself. And so you have to keep moving forward. There's nowhere to go but through it. Like there's just nowhere you can go. You can't run back. Once that stuff's happened and it's so painful and there's so many moments you do just like want to turn back the clock and I wish I said this differently or I wish I didn't do that. And you really feel that wish to have like a time machine. And when you realize that there is no time machine, you have nothing to do but to move forward. So not talking helped. Moving cities helped, even though that was a lot, I have to say. It was a bit too much all at the same time. If I could do it again, I probably would have slowed things down a little bit. It was a bit dramatic of me to like move out within a week. Like, you know, that was a lot, but moving cities helped. But main reason I moved back to London wasn't just the job. It's because my sisters live here and my oldest friends live here. And I knew like I needed my support network. I needed my girls around me to help me help carry me through this breakup. So reconnecting with like good friends, like real friends, you know, not talking, And just like filling my life with new activities, new people, even if I was just like really depressed, I still, I still went out, you know, I just said yes to every invitation and like just put on a performance, like fake it till you make it. And all that stuff really, really helped. And one thing I did struggle with a lot though was social media that was really hard to not look at. And I'm still guilty of it sometimes. And it's crazy to see the mental health shift pre and post like stalking your ex or stalking their new partner. Like it's crazy. You can really ruin your whole day just by going on their socials. And that's something I've had. I've had difficulty like staying away from for like extended periods of time. I don't know why I want to look. I don't know. It's like feeling in control of something. I'm not sure what the intention is behind it, but it feels horrible every time I do it. So if there's one thing I wish I did better was to also just like get off the socials as soon as possible, because there's literally nothing you're going to see that's going to make you feel better. You either see the curated perfect picture snapshot, which is not reality. And that's actually all you ever truly see on the socials. Like you don't yeah. see their reality. You just see the best version of it. So there's no reason to see it. Yeah. You even mentioned it yourself with the like, no one on my Instagram would know how much I was struggling. They just see, 100%. you know, it's like, Yeah, it's a very curated, but I think we, I mean, first of all, I think it's total human nature to want to look completely human nature. And I think too, when the pain resurfaces and it's like the, the actual event feels so far in the past, but the pain's still resurfacing. So sometimes I think we look because 
we're kind of trying to validate the pain that's coming up out of nowhere. And we're like, oh yeah, this is why I'm sad. You know? So I think sometimes that's why we do it. I think sometimes it is pure curiosity and it's like, you know, what do they say? Like curiosity killed the cat. Like sometimes we just get curious and we do things that we know we shouldn't. But I think the self-awareness is most important in that equation of like, okay, I I at least know what I'm getting when I'm, I know what the outcome is going to be if I look. I don't think that it's going to be different this time or I'm going to see something that's going to be really helpful or anything like that. So, but I do, I think getting off social media, if you can, is a great option. I also think the moving cities thing, I hear from people all the time that they moved cities to be with their partner and then they break up. And it's like my whole support system's somewhere else. Like if you have the opportunity to move back, I think it's a great option. It is hard to start from scratch. I will 100% admit that. And being able to go back to friends that like really know you and, and know your past. And I think friends are such a great way to help you reconnect to yourself because they just, they know a version of you that's not necessarily all wrapped up in your thoughts like yours are, like that you Mm kind of are sometimes. So just being able to remind you of who you are. Yeah, 100%. It was hard to move back. Also, like London's a harder city to live in than Berlin. It's more expensive. Now I've had to go, I went from having a big apartment to going back into shared housing. It's not anyone's dream in their 30s. You know, it was very humbling as an experience, like to kind of lose everything. I lost everything I invested in over many years. And now I'm like building again from scratch. And it's it's not easy. And it's something I think a lot of people have to go through. But I also thought to myself, well, you know what, I might get divorced one day. And this is just going to give me, you know, the skills to do it again, if I ever have to, like, it's like something that might just happen, you never know what's going to happen. And I think it's, it's, a, it's important skill to try to navigate that fall from grace with grace. And yeah, being with old friends was really important because I was with friends who've known me since like I was 12 and they reminded me of my other heartbreaks, you know, this contextualized the whole experience. Like this isn't the first, we know it's a big one. We know you're older, but this isn't the first one, you know, and that was really helpful. Yeah. And you know, what's so cool about the fact of you learning how to do this gracefully is the next relationship that you're in you're going to be able to operate so much more freely within the relationship because you're not going to exist within this fear of what if it doesn't work, you know? Obviously, we all want relationships that we're in to work out for the long run. We want, you know, when we get married, we want to be with the person for forever. That's what we're signing up for. But being able to operate, not being terrified of what if this doesn't work out versus, I'm operating as from the belief that this will work out, but if it doesn't, I know I can handle it. It's such a different way to be able to behave and see things through. Yeah, I think it's key actually to being in a healthy relationship because then you are also empowered to make decisions when you maybe the the red flags are really, you know, clear and you just feel like you have options and I think like as a woman, especially, it's important to always have some so- source of your own income stream because him and me and my ex were working together by the end. Like everything got mm. really, really wrapped up. I didn't just lose him and my home. I lost my work and I lost my friendship group. I really lost everything in this person. And and it was just so I knew it was vulnerable when I was in it. And I knew it wasn't what I wanted. And I knew and I was scared. I didn't I didn't feel safe to be in a position like that. And I wasn't safe actually looking yeah. back. And so I think the lesson is it's really imperative 
really imperative to maintain your friendships, maintain your income streams, maintain your interests, even if you get, I mean, I'm guilty of getting so wrapped up and falling in love that I'm the, I can be the girl that like stops hanging out with her friends. And I think the next time it happens for me, I'm going to be so careful about that stuff because I've just been so humbled by this experience. You just never know what's going to happen. And it's important that you have like a rich and varied life and that's, that's, that exists outside of your partner. And in the positive note, it also makes for healthier dynamic with your partner, you know, if yeah. you guys are both living fuller lives and not just the relationship. So I do look forward to practicing these, you know, skills and like lessons that I've I've learned from this experience. I, I do look forward to it. If yeah. it ever happens again. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. And I think that's incredible. And I think, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, like you don't feel like you'll be able to fall in love quite like that again. And it might not be exactly like that. It'll be different, but I would assume it'll be different in a very beautiful way. It might not be the you know, intense sweep you off your feet kind of a thing, but that's, you know, that's okay. And you might not be enamored with the next person, but there will be very strong, secure foundational love within that, you know? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I mean, I, I think, yeah, the whole thing was kind of, it felt like saying goodbye to my youth. I mean, I'm, I know I'm not that old, but the whole relationship was like in my twenties, it was so adventurous. And yeah. we we're like, I was like living in Berlin. He was an artist and, you know, we were on top of the world for so long and then it just crashed so spectacularly and it was beautiful, but the highs were so high and the lows were so low. And I do look forward to having a more balanced experience like in the future, because being in that kind of relationship is it's ultimately exhausting when it's too high and too low. It is. Yeah. And it does a number on your nervous system. And it's, it's just really hard to, because I think the goal within a relationship is you want to feel normal. You want to just be able to exist normally and not have to always be thinking about it or tending to it necessarily, but it's, yeah, it's really performing. hard. To, yeah. Or performing. That's very tiring. So it's really hard if you can't find that equilibrium within a relationship, because then you always are tending to it, performing for it, trying to fix it, whatever yeah. that looks like, instead of just being yeah. able to go to work, come home, talk to your partner, have dinner, you know, watch a show. And I know that can yeah. sound boring to some people, but I think ultimately that's, that's where we find like healthy, balanced love. Yeah. And you know, him and I did have that too. That's why things are fun. Like they, all these truths exist, you know, yeah. we had also for many years, very healthy relationship. And we learned how to fight very well. We didn't raise our voices and nobody was overly controlling. And, you know, we did try very much to be in the healthy relationship. And I think we both learned a lot about, about that as well. But ultimately the incompatibilities, you know, kind of one at the end of the day. And it also takes two people to want to be in a relationship to be in one. So if someone wants to tap out, there's ultimately like nothing you can do. And that's also part of the acceptance. Like I probably could have kept trying and I've, I've heard the, stereotype that like women are like, you know, more prone to keep trying and they can keep trying, keep tending it. They don't want to let go. And men, men can maybe like walk away a little bit easier. I don't know. I mean, everyone has their own stories, but ultimately like now I'm happy that that relationship is in the past, even though I still have pangs of heart heartache or pangs of missing, you know, that type of thing. I think what some people I think will stick with you, you know, probably forever, but not like in a actively painful way. They're just kind of part of who you are. Yeah, I always say we don't forget exes. 
you know, I remember, you know, high school exes and, and all of that. They're all part of the threads that are woven into, you know, this tapestry of our lives. And, and that's okay. And that's a beautiful thing. We don't want to just swipe chapters away. And and the fact that you guys did have really good, healthy characteristics, that's great. Cause you'll carry that into your next relationship and you'll, you'll know that, okay, this stuff is important to me on top of some other things, but this baseline stuff is really important to me. So the last question I wanted to end with is as someone who is a year and a half out of this, what advice would you give to a woman in her thirties or, you know, late twenties, early thirties or whatever age that's terrified of losing their partner and their relationship? What advice would you give to them? My main advice would be that you have time. When I first got out of this relationship, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, I'm 32 and I'm single. This wasn't part of the plan. I'm supposed to be having my kids now. And people around me started to get married and I was really feeling defeated. And I was like, just talking really nasty to myself. Like I'm an old woman now. No one's going to want me. My mom was like, you're so stupid. Like, listen to what you're saying. I was really freaking out. And I was like, it's it for me. Then after some time, I actually took a real long break from dating. I really didn't want to get into anything romantic. I was like, you know, I really want to take this time to sit with myself. And now from this vantage point, year and a half later at 33, I feel like I have time. You know, of course, there's pressures, especially around fertility. It's the stakes are higher with whoever comes in next, but you don't need to rush. It's better to take the time and really do the healing and do the work and enter the next relationship from a very strong and empowered place then like rush into something out of fear because better to enter the next one and have it actually be healthy and long lasting than rush into something and then be going through the same thing at 38 or 42 or 45, you know, because you never know. With kids involved. Yeah, exactly. With kids involved and even harder to date as you get older, still possible, but even more difficult. And so I would say my advice is that you have time. So take this time. You don't have to go on dates. You don't have to rush into anything. And just enjoy being yourself. I love that. That's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Steph. This is such a inspiring, uplifting story. And I'm I'm so grateful that you were so gracious with your story and with your heart. So I'm really looking forward to people being able to hear this and listen to this. Oh, thank you so much, Kendra. Like I said, this podcast was a saving grace during my breakup. So everyone listen to Kendra because the advice is <laughs> it's correct. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass, I promise.